Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book Men Alive. Jim, we teach about the rule of a man as a citizen. A listener recently asked, What can one individual citizen do to turn the hearts of a nation back to God's ways? That's a challenging question. Let's take a walk through the ending chapters of 2 Kings in the Bible, beginning at chapter 19. Israel had a king named Hezekiah. He was one of the good kings who pleased God, obeyed God, and kept God's word. One day Hezekiah got sick and was about to die, so he pleaded with God to heal him and let him live longer. God heard his prayer and granted him another 15 years to live. The king of Babylon heard that Hezekiah was sick and sent his ambassador to give him greetings and encouragement for a speedy recovery. When the envoy arrived, Hezekiah was feeling better and gave him a tour of the temple, where Hezekiah worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Big mistake. Hezekiah showed the ambassador all the gold and wealth in the temple. When the ambassador returned home, he told the king of Babylon to invade Jerusalem and get it. Now keep that information in your memory for a minute. Three years into his 15-year extension of life, his son Manasseh was born, 12 years after Hezekiah did die. Then his 12-year-old son Manasseh became king and ruled for 55 years. The Bible describes Manasseh as the worst king Israel ever had. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the detestable practices of the pagan nations. Reading through chapter 21, we get a list of all the evil Manasseh did. He burned babies, worshipped carved images, and murdered innocent people until the Bible says, Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. Listen to what happened next. Manasseh's son Ammon reigned for two years and was assassinated. Along came the next heir, an eight-year-old boy named Josiah. He reigned for 31 years, and during his reign, he ordered renovations in the temple, and a temple official named Hilkiah discovered a copy of the Book of the Law. King Josiah had it read, was convicted of its contents, tore his clothes, and had it read to the people while he initiated a series of reforms. Listen to the action verbs in his reforms. He pledged to keep the book of the law. He removed all the items used to worship Baal. He burned all the idols used to worship Asherah. He did away with idolatrous priests. He removed the Asherah poles from the Lord's temple. He tore down the homes of the male and female temple prostitutes. On and on, 18 things Josiah did to reform the country. He managed to get rid of some of the disobediences of the previous kings in his determination to obey the laws of Scripture. Without hyperbole, the Bible says in 2 Kings 23:25, there has never been a king like Josiah. He turned to the Lord with all his heart. After doing all this good stuff and getting the nation back on track, look what happens in chapter 24. Josiah dies, a new king is chosen, but God sends Babylon to destroy Jerusalem. Why? For the sins of Manasseh according to all he had done years before and for the innocent blood he had shed. 
Scripture says Manasseh filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. Shedding innocent blood is a huge issue with God. Josiah had done his best, so to speak, to get the people back on track obeying God's commands, but filling Jerusalem with innocent blood was against God's creation, and the Lord would not pardon this sin. God may still say, you had a government leader years ago who shed innocent blood by allowing abortions to be legal. As a side note, in Canada, we have over 100,000 abortions a year. That's 300 a day, the equivalent of one 747 plane crashing into a mountain every day with no survivors. In the USA, that would be 10 plane crashes a day. Blood is the life of any living creature. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 9, verse 21. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And almost all things are cleansed with blood according to the law. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Pablo, I have a childhood memory of sitting in church in Toronto years ago, listening to your father, who was our pastor, doing a series on the title, Why the Blood? As I recall, he began in Genesis chapter 1 and taught about how blood had to be shed by an animal in the Garden of Eden for God to make the skin coverings for Adam and Eve to wear after they sinned when they ate the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you remember that series? My father traced the bloodline through the Bible showing how blood must be shed as a substitutionary atonement for the sins of the people. He traced the blood sacrifices through the story of Abel, who offered an animal sacrifice rather than an offering of fruit, like his brother Cain, and Noah, who sacrificed animals after the flood. Right through to the Passover story where God delivered the Jews from 400 years in bondage as slaves in Egypt, when they sacrificed a perfect lamb without blemish and put the blood on the doorposts of their home. The angel of death saw the blood and would pass over that home, thereby sparing the firstborn son in that house. Hence the term Passover. As I recall, Pablo, your father even worked in the story of Rahab the prostitute hanging a red scarlet cord from her window, and all her family within her house were spared when the walls of Jericho fell. Her faith and obedience led to her salvation because she hung a red, scarlet, blood-colored cord out her window as commanded by the Israeli spies. You could say there is a red, scarlet thread running through the Bible right up to the death of Jesus of Nazareth on the cross in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53. Before you continue, let me remind our listeners that this is Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. We invite you to visit our website at goteachglobal.com. There you will find lots of teaching topics by Dr. Jim and learn what the purpose and ministry of Go Teach Global is all about. He and I have also written a text used around the world titled, Standing Strong Through the Storm. It's in its third edition and has been translated into more than 48 languages. You'll also find some videos of Standing Strong Through the Storm teaching on Dr. Jim's website, as well as the YouTube link to 12 webinar videos recently offered on the topics from the SSTS text. While there on the Go Teach Global website, you can see and listen to all or any of the episodes of this radio program and podcast, Men Alive. 
As of this recording, there are 128 programs there on many different topics, as well as comments from you, our listeners. Isaiah said in chapter 53 that a Messiah would come to Israel as a suffering servant. His description of the kind of suffering Messiah would endure is described in graphic detail. Isaiah said, He, Messiah, has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness, and like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment of our well-being was laid upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah also said, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. He was cut off from the land of the living, for the wrongdoing of my people, to whom the blow was due. And his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Isaiah 53 is a hard read. He, the Messiah, poured out his life unto death, and he was counted with wrongdoers, yet he himself bore the sin of many. He interceded for the wrongdoers. Pablo, I have friends who do not like any talk about blood. One told me, I do not want any part of your blood theology, always talking about how the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins and makes us clean and forgiven. Jim, for centuries people lived with blood. They understood that life was in the blood. They understood that you did not shed innocent blood. In fact, in previous days, if you murdered someone, you forfeited your right to live and your life was taken. Now today, we protect murderers and take the life of innocent babies still in their mother's womb. I heard an argument the other day where a man who was both a husband and a father supported abortion. I was shocked. He said, a woman's body is her body. No man has the right to tell her what she can or cannot do to her body. If she wants an abortion, that's her choice. I wish I could help that husband see that abortion is the shedding of innocent blood, and that action really angers God who made male and female in his image. God is the creator of life, not the woman. God determines our gender, not the doctor. Let's go back to the opening question. To the listener who asked, what can one individual citizen do to turn the hearts of a nation back to God's ways? We would say, plenty. There are many, many ways one can speak up with wise counsel about biblical topics as opportunity arises. But we must remember that we have years and years of shedding innocent blood in our countries for which God will hold us accountable as a nation. 
The disasters that are coming on our nations around the world sound very much like 2 Kings 24, 3 and 4 that says, These disasters happened to Judah because of the Lord's command. He, God, had decided to banish Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh, who had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. The Lord would not forgive this. I hear us saying, Yes, we are individually accountable for our actions and how well we obey the commands of God. But, and this is a huge but, we are also going to be judged by how well we obey God's commandments, especially protecting the unborn and prohibiting the euthanasia of humans deemed as unproductive, useless eaters by some. Pablo, let's end this program with a powerful verse about blood from the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. It says Satan was defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, the witnesses or martyrs, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. There you have it, my brothers. We are redeemed by Christ's blood. Let's live our lives without fear and help defend innocent blood before Judgment Day arrives. Men Alive is a production of GoTeach Global. We invite you to visit our website at goteachglobal.com. This listener-funded program was broadcast originally from South Africa with Transworld Radio and is now also heard on stations across Canada and the USA. And it's available on numerous podcast sites. We thank you for your encouragement in responding to these programs. Our email address is menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Send us suggestions and questions you would like considered for future programs. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.